Okay, episode 64, Summer of Miles podcast, coming at you virtually tonight. I am in Raleigh. Sandy, where are you? Um, I'm on the coast of North Carolina with a family vacation. Always do it a week out of Sir Walter, or like the week, you know, two weeks out. Gets my head head right in a really good head space. And so I think for the team, for the sake of the team, it's a good thing that I'm, I'm away for a little bit here. It is. You get to do your thing. I'm kind of in the bubble of doing all these athlete bios and getting all these out. And it's just kind of what happens two weeks before the race and the week, week of the race, it's all, all about the race, but it's fun to kind of get these stories out. And today we'll be talking to Sage Herta. Great story from Sage, uh, ran at Colorado from upstate New York now is on with on with on athletics club. So we'll certainly talk about that. She's got some relatives in North Carolina close by that will be joining us at Sir Walter. So we'll really dive into her story. Um, If you didn't see the Olympic trial, she took a dive and and broke her arm in the 800 semifinal, really tough to watch, but she is uh, young and ready to roll. So, so I hope you enjoy that conversation. But before that, we wanted to just talk some quick Sir Walter Myler business. So Sandy, tell me one thing, tell me again, this is, this is what we continue to face. Where is the event this year? Yeah, it's, it's Pat. We've said it before, and we're going to run it back again. We will be at Cardinal Gibbons High School, which is not far from our location we have been um, at Meredith College. But this year, we'll be, we will be at Cardinal Gibbons, located pretty much right off Edwards Mill Extension, kind of at the corner of Trinity and Edwards Mill, really near the PNC Arena, Carter Finley. Just off Wade Avenue, yep. Yeah, right off Wade Avenue, so easily accessible off 40, anywhere in the triangle. And, of course, Raleigh, you know where this location is. Um, they have a great facility. They have a great athletic director and a, you know, state-of-the-art facility with a state-of-the-art, uh, or I don't say state-of-the-art, just a very high-end coaching uh, staff, kind of led by Nick Mangum in the distance. So they just have a really impressive team over there, and it's an honor to get to work with them. But they have – they just laid a new track about a year ago with a turf infield phenomenal stadium seating plus a great video board they just have a just an incredible um just incredible facility and pat as you and i both know it's gonna be really easy there's only one entrance to kind of come in in terms of you know getting so we're gonna have all this on the website you should we'll have a diagram up for people to see but parking should be on site or nearby you'll know where to walk you'll see the lights will be under the lights and it's going to be really simple to get in and out. And I think it's going to, I think you're going to love the facility. Pat, you know, we went a few weeks ago. What were your first thoughts when we rolled up? It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful new track, really soft. Um, that video board, I went over there a few days ago, plugged in my laptop to test it for this uh, pre-party that we're talking about. And it's beautiful. Um, before we get to that pre-party, I did have one question for you, Sandy, that I keep getting emails about. And we kind of forget, we've been doing this for a long time. Um, Last year didn't happen. Year before that, it was heavy rain. So you're talking three or four years ago. There's some a lot of people who probably show up that have never been to the Miler. Tell me what is the cost to enter and watch the Sir Walter Miler, Sandy? Pat, that's one of the beautiful things about what we're doing. We are trying to make track accessible. Therefore, it cost absolutely nothing. Pat, I'm gonna run that back by one more time. Absolutely nothing to come see this year's event or any other year for that matter. And we're going to continue to be like that moving forward. Again, we do have some gracious donors, individual and corporate that make it such that we will not have to charge you. Our goal is to bring track to you. And so therefore it's a family friendly event. We want you to be out there. So price 
paying for a ticket, don't let that get in the way because it's it's not it's a non-issue. It's a non-starter. We want you to be out there, and it is absolutely free. So, Pat, it's Andy, free. It is free in cost, but we do have demands. We need you to come. Hey, if, if you want to come sit in the stands, there is not there are nice stands here, Cardinal Gibbons, but we're going to need a lot of you on the track. These athletes come from all over the world, really, to have this this wall of sound basically outside of lane four on the inside, and they they want this to feel like something they've never experienced before. You know, we've been all over the country talking to people, and everybody loves this race for that specific reason. So, hey, it'll be pretty cozy in the stands. You know, great for your mom and dad, maybe your uncle. But if you're if you're young, you got that energy. We need you on the track for like 15 minutes. It's gonna be a lot of fun. That's right. So, and and we year in year out, we don't really we haven't had anyone like we don't because we don't ticket. We don't know exactly how many people have been there by you know some loose estimates we've heard in the ballpark maybe at our biggest year from maybe three to four thousand potentially but i would love to see us climb over that five thousand plus again stadium the facility can hold it and and you're not going to want to miss the action so let's try to get let's let's let this you know coming off of last year which we weren't able to have let's let this be our biggest year to date pat what do you say yeah, let's let's have fun. It's going to be a great night. I think everybody's looking forward to seeing it. Kind of walking you through the night uh, before this interview. Uh, Hoka, One One, Hoka One One, whoever you want to call it, they are having a pre-party at five forty-five p.m. at Cardinal Gibbons Track with pizza and water. Not affiliated with the next party starting at six p.m. at Cardinal Gibbons Track. Thanks to Rule Forty. Look it up if you want to want to get learned. Um, but yes, at six p.m. we will be showing the women's Olympic marathon on the video board there. If you didn't check it out, uh, I'm going to mess this name up. Claire Curzon, is that is that right? That sounds about right, Pat. If I mess that up, I, I truly apologize. Not much of a swimmer, but anyways. She swam for Cardinal Gibbons, just swam in the Olympics. They had a watch party there at the the stadium for this. So we're going to do the same thing with the women's Olympic marathon. So we'll do that. Then we got our race starting at 830, 840. Uh, That's the uh, coaches clash uh, right at 830. Sponsored Uh, by Coros. Sponsored by Coros. Then the run run club relay at 840. Uh, that will be followed by getting uh, from around 8.45 to 9. We will allow everyone to come onto the track in an orderly fashion such that we can really create this tunnel of energy and sound and an amplification for the runners for 400 meters for these miles uh, with the first one to go off at 9.05 and then 9.20 being the last one. Um, we, were gonna, we are going to have like a lighting pacing system. So you'll be able to actually see where a four-minute mile is and if people are in front of it or behind it as well as a 4.30. And of course, these these races are electric, as you all know. But the reality is, the louder you cheer, the faster they go. It's just science. Yes, yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got Robbie Andrews, 2015 champ, pacing. He's going to be bringing the energy, if you know Robbie. And one thing we failed to mention: if you like tradition, you've been coming to the Miler for years, and you want to go get that that pre-race beer at Raleigh Brewing Company. By all means, we're going to have the marathon over there as well. Certainly catch an Uber, catch a lift over after you watch a little bit of that. And then afterwards, after the miler, we'll be heading back over to Raleigh Brewing, certainly taking some athletes, having a good time, hopefully celebrating a good night of track 
no field, but we'll be on the field. So that's exactly right. Hey, a couple of things to keep in mind before we enter into this great interview with Sage. One, please know that we have some epic merchandise that, are com- that is coming. When I say merchandise, I really mean t-shirts. Pat and I and our team, <laughs> we've put our, our heads together. We got a great shirt this year. Uh, it's kind of a throwback in some ways. And I think you're going to appreciate when you see it. Three different colors, but limited runs. So you will not want to miss it. We are going to start selling them before. So you can pick up before or the night of. But we will have some for sale. But I, I suspect because of how dynamite these shirts are, they are not going to stick around. Not only that, but another way you can be involved. Again, you're going to watch these races and then think to yourself, I want to get run a mile. I just, you're going to want to see how fast. And then you're going to be disappointed because you haven't cha- trained. So what are we going to do for you? I'm going to let you run downhill. Pat, what do we have literally about less than 24 hours after people watch one of the fastest miles they've ever seen in their life? What can they do to show their mile prowess? Yes, we have the Raleigh Rundown Downhill Mile. We scoured the entire triangle, finding the fastest, yet safest, smoothest, runnable downhill mile years ago. And then we're in year, I think maybe six now, but we're talking about a minimum 20 seconds off your best time or whatever your current fitness level is. But it starts over on Centennial Parkway up at Oval and basically runs to the end or the back entrance of the farmer's market. It's a 130-foot drop very evenly distributed over a mile and you're going to run fast and uh, you know hey we got a women's race a men's race after that trophy on maywood's about a quarter mile away we're going to have a viewing party of the men's olympic marathon the final event of the 2020 aka the 2021 olympiad in tokyo so why not celebrate the finish to the summer of miles and the sir walter miler season with a fun get together with your friends run a fast mile have a few beverages, adult or, or kids, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a family-friendly affair. And, and then just get ready for next year, right? Yeah, there's just so much going on. These are two weeks out. I am pumped. I really am excited for all that we have going on. Continue to come to watch our socials. You'll see we've got, we're really introducing the athletes so you can get to know them. And, and again, Pat, it doesn't cease to amaze me. I really feel like, you know, again, we're not – we're not Eugene or Portland, but we're darn close in terms of some of our track heads we have around the triangle. People really come out and know these athletes, remember them from years past, saw them at the Olympic trials. Um, some of them are, you know, have become friends even. We've got a really educated track community. And um, so just to get these to know some of these newer athletes or ones that haven't been before on a more personal level, continue to follow our socials. We It's a fun way we do our these top in these questions where we get to know them and you get to know them so that the night of it's like, Hey, we, we know these people who are going for such um, historic and kind of world beating times. It, it really is something special. So continue to follow. We'll be dropping these podcasts regularly. Um, but yeah, Pat, I'm, I'm excited to hear about this, hear this interview. I think Sage, we're so excited to have this, this team on has been on fire this year um, with folks there soon at the Olympics. So we are thrilled to have, her, Leah Fallon, as well as Jordy Beamish all joining us. So, And um, speaking of Sandy, On is a sponsor of the Sir Walter Myler. They'll be sponsoring the On Run with the Pros the morning after the Myler, 9 a.m., Harrison entrance of Umstead. They'll be bringing some snacks. We'll run four-plus miles, kind of whatever you want to do. But, uh, yeah, we're thankful On is a continued supporter of what we're doing, and we're excited to bring their A-team to Raleigh. Well, let's get on with this podcast as we go to Sage. Pat, bring her in. Oh, yes. Thank you for that long leaf energy, Sandy. Here's Sage Herta. All right. We're excited today to welcome here from Boulder, Colorado, 
Sage Herda. Sage was the indoor champion in the NCAAs in the mile. She is running 408.3-1500 and a 430.5 mile. So we're looking forward to having her breaking that 430 barrier this year at Sir Walter. And we're just looking forward to having her in Raleigh as she does have some roots here. So Sage, welcome to the Summer Miles podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we were we were talking beforehand. You have some relatives from Cary, North Carolina, so you might have a bigger cheering section than most people here. Yeah, which is kind of weird because you know I'm not really from North Carolina, but I swear half my mom's family lives lives right in Cary. So so that's kind of like my next best chance to have a big cheering section. Now, have you have you actually visited here, or are you just you know that you know they live here? Yeah, no, they. They probably moved there. It's been a long time, probably like 15 years ago. So okay. there have been a lot of like family Thanksgivings, holidays that I've gone down to North Carolina for. Cool. Well, have you run on the Tobacco Trail or Homestead Park or anywhere like that? No, I haven't been in such a long time. And I feel like with going for either like Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's always worked out where I'm not really running when I'm visited. So I haven't explored that at all. We would have probably noticed if you snuck in a local turkey trot or something. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there are nice places to run. Uh, nice places to run here. It's not Boulder. A few places are, mm-hmm. but uh, you know Raleigh has some pretty decent spots. But that's that's one thing I did want to ask you about. Of course, uh, you grew up and went to high school in New York, and then you went to Boulder for college. You were still there, just a new professional with the On Athletics Club. What are what are some of your favorite places to run in Boulder? Yeah, so I have this loop right outside my house right now called the the Open Sky Loop, and it's five miles, just kind of like a gravel path, and it's super nice. And it's like it couldn't be any better because it's like less, it's like a half a mile away from my door, and so that's kind of like my my go to right now. But I'm a big, I love the runs in the mountains, um, like Mags, Gold Hill, those those classics. They're a little tough, but if you can enjoy the views, then they're totally worth it. Now, we took a trip out there, Sandy and I, my co-host, who's not here today because he's on family vacation, out to Boulder for my 40th birthday and took a big group of people, and we did mags. Now, Mm -hmm. it was hard, but you're right. It was fun, great views. We we made it through. When you were coming from New York, uh, I don't know if you were at altitude or anything in high school, how long did it take for you to adapt to to that kind of setting? Yeah, so... I think I didn't have any experience really at altitude and the adjustment was, it wasn't so much of like, Oh my gosh, this altitude is what's getting me. It's there was just a totally different training environment going from like my high school team. I was doing a lot of training on my own. And then suddenly I was at this like top level D one program. And so I think the whole thing was just a shock and like maybe the altitude was a contributor, but like everything was new. And so I think, that was the adjustment and especially when I was younger it was more just like on my easy days I had to take it a bit easier um but I I love going up in the mountains because with all the hills it feels more like where I'm from in New York where every run's really hilly now now speaking of that in New York um obviously Colorado has always been a big program uh you were you had a a nice list of achievements in high school including I think finishing 10th place at Foot Locker so you probably had your picks of where to go what made you land on Colorado yeah, so like one thing that I really wanted was an engineering program because I thought, okay, that's what I, I want to study. 
So that kind of narrowed it down because a lot of schools that don't necessarily have engineering programs. And then beyond that, I, I wanted to go to a place where I could kind of like get the most out of myself in college and like make a big developmental jump. And I thought that just based on like, obviously Mark and Heather's like great track record of developing talent. And then there was also like a really unique group of women on the team when I was going to be coming in. And I thought, wow, this team could win an NCAA title and cross. And that was something that I was really excited about and that I wanted to be a part of. And so that was, I was like, I want to win an NCAA title. I think going to Colorado is the best chance to do that. We definitely check some of those boxes. What What is like maybe one or two of your favorite moments uh, collegiately? I mean, number one would definitely be when we won that cross-country title in 2018. Like, I don't think anything could ever compare to that just because it was kind of like a couple years deferred from when we thought we were going to win when I'd first come in and everyone kind of had the race of their lives that day, like all across the board. And it was just like super emotional. And those moments are so much more special when you get to share them with your teammates and your friends who you like live and train with every day. Definitely. And now you have joined a new team, the On Athletics Club, still based in Boulder. So what kind of went into to that decision? Yeah, so I was just talking to some people yesterday about like how I'm so happy to be in Boulder still. And like I originally I thought, OK, I'm going to look around like I don't want to limit my options at all in terms of like what I'm going to do after college professionally running. But then I kind of got to the point where like, wow, I really like like it here. People come to Boulder to train all the time. And like, I'm just super settled and I don't want to like uproot my life. I thought, I think even if like there was the perfect training situation, I would be too sad to, to be gone. And I'd want to be back in Colorado. So that I just wanted to make something here work. And then having the on team come together and really just like be a super strong group right from the get go. Like that was super attractive. And Dathan seems like a really great coach. That was kind of my thought process. Now, you obviously were coached by Mark and Heather at Boulder, and you've just started with Ritz. Are, are you seeing some overlap in, in what they do? Because obviously, Dathan ran under um, Mark in college, and, and I, I would assume there's probably some similarity there. Yeah, there's definitely some similarity. Dathan has been was coached by a few different like well-known coaches throughout his professional career, and so there's kind of like a little bit from everyone. I think the biggest like advantage is that it's been pretty seamless, like kind of switching my training over to more like Dathan style training, because he knows exactly like what kind of work I've been doing. And so just with like very slight modifications, suddenly it's, you know, more of a Ritz workout than a Wetmore workout. And so it's been a really smooth transition, I think. However, the shock will come in the fall when we're starting to do base training and doing a lot more tempo than I'm used to. Cause I think at CU, a lot of it is just like pure aerobic work where you're focusing on the long run, like you're hitting the long run hard, just getting the miles in, where I think that's a little bit deprioritized and is a little bit higher intensity, a um, little bit faster uh, under Ritz. So that'll be a little bit of a shock for me. So who are you going to be, um, who are you going to be training partners with uh, OAC? Yeah, well... I think so far I've mostly been training with Alicia Monson and Emily Oren because they've been around. Um, and then Leah, Leah Fallon's been around a little bit. 
honestly, I feel like I match up pretty well with everyone on different things. Like obviously I'm the only true like middle distance specific runner on the team. And so like for, if I ever do pure mid D spec, like maybe I would be on my own for that, or I'd have to like tag along with the guys doing their two hundreds. Um, but I, I more need the help on the long run. And I feel like, you know, from 10 K Olympian Alicia down to like me, there's the whole range of like abilities on that longer end. And so who knows who exactly I'll be pairing up with, but I think I'll have plenty of options. Definitely. Definitely. Well, let's, let's go back a little bit and let's talk about, uh, you know, your recent experience at the Olympic trials, not the ideal uh, turnout for you for sure, but uh, a new experience. So you, you make through the first round, everything's good. You go to the second mm-hmm. round and um, had a little, little fall there. Can, can you kind of walk us through kind of what, what happened kind of in your, your description? Yeah. So I was kind of just hanging out behind like most of the contenders in my heat. Like I had a pretty, what felt like a pretty stacked heat. And so I was kind of just trying to stay behind everyone, keep an eye on what was going on ahead of me. And then like over the last 200 meters, I was still just stuck and it was only, I think top three get to go through, but we were moving pretty fast. So it was probably going to be like the top four or five. And with about a hundred meters to go, I like, I was feeling really good and I could see the top like two or three women starting to pull away, but I, I felt like, okay, I can, I can go get them. But then as I was trying to like navigate that and like bridge the gap, I just didn't have any real estate. And it was like, I was, I saw an opening on the inside. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go for that. And then the runner like outside of me moved in and I just didn't have anywhere to go. And like, I, I thought about this a lot and it's like, maybe in some other circumstance, I would have been able to think through and like fully process like, okay, I should hold my line. I shouldn't like, I shouldn't go this way. I shouldn't go that way. But when you're 700 meters into an 800 meter race, like you're not like your mental, your physical capacity isn't like, you're not totally at your sharpest. It's just kind of like, that's the time that everything hurts and you're just like trying to get to the finish line. So yeah, I was kind of just like, I didn't have anywhere to run anymore because I got cut off. And then I, next thing I knew I was on the ground. Yes, it was it was tough to watch. We were in the stands. You could hear it from the stands. And the first thing we thought, of course, was like exactly what you said. Like, y'all's heat was so fast, like everybody was going to make it. And then it was just like, oh, wow, she's down. Is she okay? So, you know, what what went on from there? You obviously kind of walked off the track, got some help. I, I know there was like a protest involved kind of where was your head at afterwards? Yeah. So, you know, when I first, like, I don't remember hitting the track, but I remember laying on the track afterwards, just like totally thinking, Oh my gosh, my wrist hurts. Coupled with the facts, like the disappointment of, well, that's it. Like my Olympic trials experience is over. And then by the time I got off the track, I was kind of in denial about how shaken up I was just from like the impact in the fall, but I was kind of like hyperventilating and I went back to get to the medical tent and I had to get my wrist checked out. So that was like, um, just kind of like a whole process. Luckily breaking my wrist at a USATF championship, like it was the most smooth process like I've ever had. Like I was able to get an x-ray right away. The doctors were right there. We're so thankful best for case that. scenario there. <laughs> yeah. But I also knew that we were like filing a protest just because of like how everything went down. And it was just 
it was taking so much longer than it should have because there were so many protests because pretty much everyone that had to run around me decided that they wanted to protest the result too. Um, and so there was just a lot to shift through. And then our protest got denied and we appealed the protest and that got denied too. And it was just kind of hard to see like how that decision process got worked out when, you know, obviously from my perspective, I felt like there was like nothing, it was, it was either between like, it was a racing incident and nothing I could do. And I didn't feel like how it got worked out reflected either of those. Yeah. I mean, watching it, it, it seemed hard that you could not be advanced for, for just the average person, but we know those things happen and, and, you know, you move on, but you know, how did you kind of come to grips with that? You know, you're, you're basically going to, to the hospital to fix your wrist and all those things. Uh, yeah. how, how did you kind of get back into a good mindset after dealing with that? Yeah. So I think initially it was just like humor. I was kind of just like laughing about it, but then the reality kind of sits, uh, sets in and I kind of felt like it was nice to have an extra day before the final to kind of like get to the point where I could sit through and watch, watch the race happen. But I think it really took like a good week and a half before I was starting to feel like positive and excited about running again, just because I was so like disillusioned from the event. And, but once I got back to Boulder and I started training and I'm with a new coach and a new group, it was kind of like a new beginning. And even though that's kind of cheesy, like I totally just felt like reinvigorated from having all these like big, exciting changes and getting to work out with new people um, so that was super nice. And I think that's like definitely what shifted the tide, just getting a couple good workouts under my belt and feeling like a little bit more optimistic about everything. Definitely. Definitely. And, and kind of going from that, I mean, you're young, you're going to have more chances. It's tough to mm -hmm. see people at the end of their careers and that happens. And it's just really sad <laughs> with you. It's like, all right, well, at least there's a silver lining. Like, yeah, you got your new group. You just got a new shoe deal. Um, your boyfriend, Joe, has just made the Olympic team. Let's, let's talk about mm -hmm. that. How, how did, uh, how did that kind of go through, through your vision? Yeah. So I mean, going into it, I said, I think that Joe has like a 50, 50 chance to make the team. Cause you know, there was like more guys with the Olympic standard than I would, we would have guessed like a couple years ago. And Joe was one of them. Um, but you know, he was really fit and like, I get to see firsthand, like he does everything that he possibly can to like get himself ready for that Olympic trials race. And so, um, I was just super nervous. I hate the fact that he runs a 10 K and it takes like, I don't know, <laughs> half an hour. And I pretty much don't watch the first half of the race. That's, that's long distance prejudice right there, Sage. Come on now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, if it was anyone else running the 10 K, like I I'm happy to watch the whole women's 10 K, but with with the men's race, I'm just like, as long as nothing bad happens, like there's nothing worth watching until like the last mile or two. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> one went to that, to that way for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it was kind of just like, Joe was looking really good with a couple laps to go. And then suddenly with 400 to go, he was boxed in and that was nerve wracking, but he got through and, you know, I could count the men who had the Olympic standard. Like I knew who they were. And I said, okay, Joe just has to beat like two people. Um, but that was kind of, that was kind of a crazy, like the fact that he actually did it. That was like a super, super emotionally charged moment, I would say. Now, so, so he finishes, you get to celebrate that. And then, um, you know, obviously you had your race it was a little bit of a different feeling. Um, mm -hmm. You know, was, was he there to, to kind of give you support in that moment too? 
Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely hard too, because I was, even though I was being coached by Mark and Heather, I was staying with the on team. And so I was kind of like on the, like the perimeter of their, their team and like what they were doing and kind of like with these people that I didn't know all that well. And so I definitely relied on Joe really heavily, especially after my race and how disappointed I was because, um, like, I don't think everyone necessarily, like, first of all, I tend to be like pretty like closed off and nervous around people that I don't know as well, especially when it comes to like sharing my emotions. So I, it was definitely nice to have Joe there to like be able to share that with because I'm someone who like, I'm not going to cry in front of like people that I don't know, but I, I definitely need to cry. Yeah. I think you had a legitimate reason there. Were, were you yeah. staying in that like on house, the, the, mm-hmm. the nice one? Okay. It was, we went over yeah, to the one like out of the town. party there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it, well, we it. were staying like 15 minutes out of town. So that was, that was like a little bit more mellow. Well, I, I just remember it was, uh, there was a party there one night we were there to, to see our friends with on. And uh, I guess it was the night before the women's 10 K and they're, you know, the party kind of starts finishing up and they're like, all right, guys, be quiet. Cause Alicia's upstairs sleeping and she's running the 10 K in the morning. Oh yeah, <laughs> She yeah. ends up making the team. So I guess, I guess people mm-hmm. weren't too loud, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, on had such a big presence and they seem to be really diving in to the professional ranks and obviously had a lot of success at the trials. Um, you know, not just, uh, with the American team, but others as well. It, you know, what kind of beyond just the local Boulder factor, what made you excited about on? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, they seem like really invested in expanding, especially in like the American running market. And like, I first heard about on a couple of years ago and now suddenly like you see them everywhere. And so that's exciting because, you know, there's certain level of like, enthusiasm that goes along with that growth and just like they're really committed to like keeping it going and making it work and they kind of like they have like a true commitment to like making this team the best that they possibly can um you know kind of on the flip side of that they're like in the middle of like kind of shoe development just like everyone else so that's that's like really cool because part of the oac you get to be like directly involved in that and then also just they seem to treat their athletes really well like you know you hear uh like stories that may maybe quite quite artist flattering but it seems like they're really committed to kind of like just giving you the freedom to like be your best without necessarily like exterior pressures like they don't put the pressure on you it's like it's up to you to to get it done and see how far you can go for sure. And they had to be feeling pretty good walking away from Eugene with multiple Olympians. So hopefully you can kind of mm-hmm. suck in some of that energy, but let, let's talk about your future stage. I know you showed me, you know, we're on a podcast, so it's kind of hard to see a brace, but uh, you, yeah. may, you may or may not have this in Raleigh. I don't know, but uh, what's, uh, we're excited to have you in a few weeks in Raleigh, but what's the rest of your schedule looking like for the year? Yeah. So after the race in Raleigh, I'll be heading to Eugene for the, the pre-classic going to run a 1500 there, I believe. And then hopefully heading over to Europe, like that's the plan. It's kind of one of these things that you just got to see like what, what meets you get into. So, so that's the plan and hopefully get into an 800 there, um, as well as a 15. And then I'll wrap up my season at the fifth Ave mile, uh, in New York, which then I'll, I'll get to go home and spend some time with my family after that, which will be super nice. 
Hey, well, that, that sounds like a pretty good schedule. I, I will say mm-hmm. you're, you're hitting all the hot spots. Uh, yeah. one. So, I mean, where do you go from here? What's your, what's your fall looking like? Um, my fall will just be, well, first I'll probably spend like a little bit of time vacationing. Just, I started running track in January. I was going to say it's been finish. a while. Yeah. And you had the pressure yeah, on it. It's kind of the favorite is the miler. So you've been running miles for, for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Although it didn't really pan out that well for my NCA season, I had to take a break in the beginning of May just for like a little injury. And so although maybe I wasn't quite as fit as I could have been, like, I still feel very refreshed. Like, I feel like I already kind of had like a couple weeks where I was a little bit disconnected. And so I'm feeling really ready to go for the rest of my season. Um, But in terms of the fall, just a little bit of a break like a full break from running where you don't have to do any cross training. Cause I haven't had that in a couple of years. Good. Uh, and then just try to like survive a fall with Dathan uh, under his training. So hopefully get pretty fit and get used to the, the new workouts and stuff. Right on. Well, well, Sage, it's been awesome having you on the summer miles. We're ex- excited to host you in Raleigh. Now, have you heard anything about the miler? Do you know what you're walking into here? I've heard rumors. Um, I'm starting to get an idea of what I'm getting into, but okay. overall, I've, I've heard that it's like a really cool experience kind of across the board. Good. Well, that, that's what we're hoping to deliver. So a little bit new this year, mm-hmm. like, like everybody, we, we did not have a race last year, so we're excited to get back to it, but we were definitely excited to host you and, uh, you know, anybody else from, from the herd of family that is coming to the track that night. And uh, we'll see mm-hmm. you in a, a few weeks. So thanks for joining us on the Summer Miles podcast. Yeah, thank you.